You're all so friendly. You just keep going on and on and on with that, right? That's great. Well, uh, today uh, we are doing our second series of the summer that we're working with on the first Sunday of every month called uh, The Fourfold Gospel. And uh, I'm excited about what God has for us today, not only in his word, but as we talked about there in communion and his very physical presence of ministering his power and his strength and his grace to you. We're part of what's called the Alliance. The Alliance is uh, worldwide, uh, a lot of churches, a lot of missionaries, a lot of uh, U.S. churches. And uh, the founder of the Alliance was a guy by the name of A.B. Simpson, who uh, he stayed very Christ-centered. I am so thankful that the founder of the movement we're part of just stayed Jesus-centered in all that he did. But he would describe it this way. He said, Jesus Christ is our Savior, he is our sanctifier, he is our healer, and he is our coming king. And last month, uh, we talked about Jesus being our redeeming Savior. And today, we're going to be talking about Christ as our abide, I mean, as our transforming healer. We'll come back to Sanctifier next week, I mean, next month, and then we finish out the summer with uh, Christ our coming King. Christ our healer. There's a verse in Hebrews that talks about Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, uh, That's why we have hope today in what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be doing a ministry time as we close today. We don't have an opportunity to do all that much, and that's uh, why sort of the front rows open. Because I believe that Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, um, is going to uh, meet you in a place of need this morning. And um, he's going to have you take initiative for people to pray over you. Because of the ministry time, we're going to receive the offering in a little bit at the front part of the talk rather than at the end of the service. So you can be ready for that in your connection cards. So I'm wanting to clear room. Sometimes, you know, Jesus doesn't work because we don't give him margin to work. We are such busy people. We run from one thing to the next to the next. Some of you are already thinking about what's next today. Just put it underneath your chair. Live in the present moment. I think sometimes Jesus doesn't minister because we don't let him live with us in the present moment. Okay? There were some questions I wanted us to look at today with Christ our healer. Why did Jesus heal people? Did healings end with Jesus? Where does the power come from for healing? Why isn't everyone healed? And how are we to act concerning healing today? And and I may end up addressing some of those questions. That was some of my initial outline for today. But then I got worried with myself. Not just the length of that. But I really um, felt prompted not to get into teaching mode a lot. We're going to look at scriptures, and we're going to learn from scriptures today. But I want us to dial into a couple stories, and that's what we're going to do today. One is a biblical story that we'll talk about, but the other is a a real-life current story of one of the Alliance missionary couples that serves overseas in Cambodia. Cambodia is in Southeast Asia, next to Vietnam, and... um, They're going to share their story in two parts, actually. Um, And I want us to just listen to their story, and then we're going to look at a biblical story. We're going to listen to some more of their story. And then we're going to let Jesus minister into your story today. Okay? And so I'm going to pray for us, and then um, we're going to listen to the missionary story. And then during that time, uh, the ushers are going to pass the baskets to receive your tithes and offerings as well as your connection cards. Okay? Jesus, in your name, the name that's above every name, the name by which every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, we so much love you and are grateful that we do not come today to worship a dead legend or just to have ritual and routine to practice religion, but that we come into a dynamic relationship of you walking our road surely as you walked the road in Jerusalem. Israel, 
Jesus, the road you walk in every country of this world, the road you walk in this valley, Jesus, we come to hear from you, to receive from you, and to give you honor and glory. In your name we pray. a mystery in healing. You know, sometimes he has healed in amazing ways and we just praise his name and give thanks and sometimes he doesn't heal the way we want him to and we've seen it, but in our case we really have seen his amazing grace and healing in answer to prayer in Got the ways. lab work to show it. <laughs> Because we live in Cambodia, we needed to get medical clearance to stay there. And they discovered a whole bunch of stuff was wrong with me. And then they went, oh, great. The first symptom I had was that my heart would beat and then stop and then pause and then get a big whoomp. So we went to a doctor and he did some blood tests and discovered that my thyroid wasn't working well. And we sent in our form to get clearance to go back and I did not get cleared. We were at the Home Assignment Ministry Seminar, which is for Alliance workers after you come back from your term overseas. And there was a couple there that really talked about healing. And I was kind of encouraging Chris, I mean, you got these issues, maybe we should go forward. We decided to go and have this couple pray for us. They were gentle and quiet and behind the scenes. And I told them about the symptoms that were troubling me still. And one of them being um, my extremities were never warm, even though we lived in a warm country. They just never warmed up. So they prayed and went to bed that night feeling completely the same. But the next morning during the meeting, I reached over to touch David and his hand was just as warm as my hand. And I looked at him and at the same moment he looked and noticed it too. And we both went, I can't believe it. My hands are warm. Chris has always had cold hands. And so it was <laughs> such a surprise to me to... Uh, feel a warm hand coming back. So I was confused. What medication should I take and should I be taking any because apparently things were getting better and I didn't think I needed it. So I had full confidence God was at work. And then I lost the whole bag of medications that I bought for the year. The only one that I had was the one that was regulating my heart. And all the rest of them were just cold turkey straight off and didn't go back on. The same year, there were other symptoms that started showing up. I did start getting worse, a lot worse. And I wondered, was this due to the thyroid or was I not healed? I was very confused about what had happened, not knowing that there was another issue going on within my body. I started to feel older. I had no energy and it just I wasn't myself even in my personality just things were messed up I knew I had to get the medical clearance cleared again so we went and made an appointment with a doctor and discovered there's a thing behind your thyroid called a parathyroid and it was messed up too so if I had not been healed of the thyroid thing and then new conditions came in I would have attributed all of the other symptoms to my thyroid problem and not known about the parathyroid problem. In uh, February, we really were wondering whether we should go back to Cambodia or not. It was something we really put on the altar. And Lord, if you want us back, you're going to have to really do something because, you know, she didn't have medical clearance and she also was getting worse. And we could just kind of sense that, yeah, God, unless you really show up here, uh, we're not going to be going back to Cambodia. We were at church, and they had asked us to come in and talk about Cambodia, the pastor and the wife of that church. They were there, and they came around and prayed for everything. <laughs> Jesus is our healer, and he chooses. He said yes. <laughs> Going from feeling like I was maybe 100 or so years old in, in every movement and energy level and ability to think clearly, and I woke up and I felt so much younger like 30 years had dropped off in one night and then the next morning even better and so when the test came back normal it was kind of like well uh -huh. this is kind of the proof <laughs> of what God has done in answer to prayer I don't know why and I still don't know why he chose 
to say yes in my case, and not just once, but twice. It doesn't mean when God says no to someone that there's some magical formula that I did or I am some awesome person because I'm not. He just said yes. Jesus said yes this time. So with all that, we were healed. We were cleared to go to Cambodia. But then a few months later, we had another trial, and that had to do with David and his injuries. What do you start to think when you hear the story of somebody who has been healed? Does your mind go to great thanksgiving and praise? Or does your mind go towards skepticism? Or does your mind go to rationalization of, well, that's nice. Prayer always helps. But... Really, something else probably went on. Where does your mind go? Well, my mind goes to all those places. I'm just like you. I'm like, well, that's great. Praise God. Uh, Really? Well, I wonder if something else was involved. I don't know why we're wired that way for skepticism or doubt sometimes. Maybe it's because of the charlatans we sometimes see and and we see them sort of overboard and manipulating people and coercing people and whether it's a televangelist or somebody that, that maybe lives down the road from you that's just a little over the top when it comes to the idea of, of God intervening in life. Maybe it's just because we are broken sinful people and we're prone to Doubt. I don't know. But what happens to you when you hear a story about somebody's healing? Where does your mind go? What happens to you when you have an issue of healing that's needed? Maybe there's an ailment. Maybe it's a child who is sick. Maybe you've come across some type of disease. Maybe you've discovered you have cancer. Maybe somebody is in an accident. Where, where do you go? Where do you immediately go to? Do you immediately go to, oh, we got, we really got to get this figured out medically? Well, that's all fine. God has given us minds. And he has given us science. And he has given us modern medicine. And it should be used because it's through his hand that those things are given to us. But do we sometimes fail to consider coming to Jesus himself through prayer and interaction with others, people praying over us, to see if God maybe would have something for us. You know, it was interesting, even right before I met with a prayer team, right before I came out this morning, and someone told me about an individual who I'd met this with, with this week, and trying to connect, and they actually came to our life group this week, and she informed the individual that her daughter needed to uh, go um, to a ready-med place, or I'm not quite sure exactly what happened, but was wanting to make sure we knew that she would not be here today. And I thought, oh, yeah, we need to pray for her and offer prayers that direction. But then I thought to myself this, and please, this is maybe some of me uh, counterbalancing my skepticism. Why is it today that if we had a child that needed to go to have something checked out, we don't immediately think first about prayer? Or maybe we should stop by the church, you know, the church. The church is that place where Jesus actually works through his people to bring healing. And then we'll go on to the ready-med place. And I'm not saying do something silly and stupid, friends. You understand that. But I'm trying to grab a hold of where our mindset is at. Or like yesterday. Yesterday, you know, you get some of these things on Facebook. God bless Facebook, right? And this is from a friend back in the Midwest. And this friend did one of those copy-paste kind of things. I never quite understand why that, but if you do that, God bless you too. But, you know, it's this whole thing. of this. I started reading this. It's like, is this them writing? Or is this one of those, you know, copy-paste kinds of thing? It's hard to explain, she says, to someone who has no clue. It's a daily struggle being in pain or feeling sick on the inside while you look fine on the outside. Please put this as your status for at least one hour. If you or someone you know has an invisible illness, and they're talking about the insensitivity, not where people are in pain or they have problems, and, and that it's a huge wake-up call for us. So it was, it was in one sense. It was a nice post. But then she goes on to list, or this copy-paste thing, goes on to list someone who has invisible illness. 
IBS, Crohn's, PTSD, addiction, Alzheimer's, anxiety, arthritis, cancer, heart disease, bipolar depression, diabetes, lupus, fibromyalgia, MS, AS, ME, epilepsy, migraines, autism, borderline personality disorder, MD, DDD, CFS, ODD, ADHD, RSD, RA, PBC, RLS, COPD, etc. And then says never judge. And it just took me back with that list. It's like, yeah, I've heard some of those. I know some of those. Maybe I have some of those. It's like over the top. People have broken bodies, don't we? What are we going to do about those broken bodies? Just wait it out. Wait it out. I have news for you. Unless Jesus Christ comes back in our lifetime, or you have some type of unique, special rapture, we all going to die. In this room, we all going to die. And, you know, we accomplish a lot of things. I read Spurgeon today, this week said that, you know, six feet under puts all of us on the same level. <laughs> we have broken bodies. And it's part of the fall. But that's not God's intent. God intends for us to have bodies that would live forever. And that's part of his redemption and part of what the book of Revelation was about when people raised. So I'm not one who's going to speak to you about a name it, claim it, everybody needs to be healed. I don't know. Sometimes God uses suffering to bring him great glory. But this is what I found true in my life and the churches I have been a part of. We have this tendency to anchor ourselves towards skepticism and doubt when in Scripture, Jesus Christ is taught as the healer. Jehovah Rapha was one of God's name. I am the God who heals thee. And the Jesus Christ who lived is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you and I have the opportunity to see Jesus minister physical and emotional healing and touch in our lives. And for us to shy away from it or worry about becoming one of those kinds of weird people, grieves the Holy Spirit. And so I'm to just call us to do a little counterbalance here today. Those missionaries and that testimony, they were raised, they were taught, and they'd experienced that they can look directly to Jesus. Medical doctors involved as well. But have you short-changed? What Jesus wants to do in your life to bring a physical healing, an emotional healing, maybe a spiritual, relational healing in your life. And there's something inside of you that's, whether it's doubt, whether it's fear, whether it's lordship issues, it just blocks you from being able to be open to receive from him. And if Jesus was to walk physically in those doors... Would you reach out to him? That's the second story we're going to look at. In Mark chapter 10, we have this story that's recorded of Jesus and a blind person. When he was on his way to Jerusalem, he ended up being crucified. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Simeas, was sitting by the roadside begging. So Mark 10:46 records an event that actually happened. Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. You go through Jericho, and Jericho is about, I don't know, 12, 15 miles away, it'd be like him coming through Lake Elsinore on his way to Temecula. And there is this blind beggar person by the name of Bartimaeus. Now, it's interesting, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three Gospels, all the healings that Jesus did, only one in those three Gospels is listed by name, and it's Bartimaeus. 
Not only we got his name, we got his dad's name. Jesus is going to heal him. And they say one of the reasons his name is listed is because Bartimaeus became a great leader in the early church, and everybody knew Bartimaeus. But when you first read the story, you think, oh, he's a blind, beggarly kind of person sitting along the road, and, and, you know, he doesn't have much to offer. I want you to know this, that if you have found yourself crippled in life, whether physically or emotionally, and people have discarded you and looked down on you or just looked over you, you have a lot more to offer God than you're probably giving yourself credit for, and others do as well. Some invalid kind of people are some of the sharpest kind of people, but in our prejudiced kind of world, we overlook them or try to accommodate them. But Bartimaeus was a very competent kind of person. But in this particular situation, in this season, Bartimaeus was blind, he was impoverished, and he was marginalized. Blind, impoverished, and marginalized. He's sitting beside the road. He had heard about this Jesus. But he was making his living, as you would, with his cloak out, trying to, uh, you know, beg for money, because that's how he sort of made his living. He never saw the smile of his mother. He was blind. He never gazed into the outer stars and the beauty of the night. He was blind. He would not see oxen dung along the road. He would end up stepping into it. He was blind. Think about being blind. Close your eyes. Darkness, blind. You do not see. Now I want to say this. For many of us, we would have empathy. We would like to maybe in part climb into the world, but we would not want to live in that world. But do you realize today that people live in blindness, maybe not physically, but spiritually blind, and they too need a touch from Jesus? Are you blind today? Are you impoverished today? Are you marginalized today? I believe in Bartimaeus. We can find identity with who he is as an individual. And and here's Jesus. I mean, Jesus knew what was happening to him, right? He's on his way to Jerusalem, the crowds, and, you know, sort of a quiet little town kind of deal. And uh, it wasn't very big. Trust me, I've been to Jericho before, and I said, is this it kind of deal? And and so you are there, and you're realizing that, you know, not a lot of big events would happen there. When I was there, I was riding bicycles with a ministry team, and, and we ate off of Frisbees for our meals, and then we'd throw Frisbees. I just remember the kids in Jericho just all scattered around us. Hey, we'll throw Frisbees. You know, it was a real town, real people. And here, ripple, a ripple effect started to happen through the town that this Jesus of Nazareth, who some had hoped to be the Messiah, was on their way through. So Bartimaeus He was sitting beside the roadside begging, and he found out that it was Jesus who was coming into town. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you think that was his tone? No. That's like incongruent. Like, what are you doing up there, Bowman? Come on. Right? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He wasn't like whispering it back there. No. And you can like emphasize different words. Think about it. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 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 And they started swatting at him. Be quiet. Sit up. You're a nuisance. Why are you doing that? They rebuked him. Be quiet. But he continued to shout out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. You ever cried out that way before? 
physical need, emotional need, a spiritual need? Where do you go when you've got issues going on inside and or your family members, friends have? Do we cry out to Jesus, son of David, and all the history that Bartimaeus would have known as a Jewish person was embodied in this man who would be the Messiah? Have mercy on me. Now, isn't it interesting that he said, have mercy on me? Rather than saying, yo, haven't been able to see my mother. Haven't been able to see the stars. I'm over here. Mr. Miracle Worker, come my way. Need to see here. I believe one of the reasons that Bartimaeus was healed because he was a broken man and he knew his sin and knew who he was before God Almighty. And he cried out, and you'll find it in the Psalms in many different places, have mercy on me. He was seeking a Savior. And he cried out, have mercy on me. When you do need help, how do you come to Jesus? You come barging in the doors, all right, I'm owed some goodwill here, God. I have been working really hard for you. I've been staying clear of a lot of things. Come my way. Bless my world. Catch this. I think this is key. When it comes to you asking for Jesus to give a physical or emotional touch in your life, you need to come expectant without question. But you need to come expectant with no personal agenda. Other than glorifying God and seeking for him to work in your life, mercy and salvation for his glory. How you come to Jesus, how you shout out and declare, it is important. Jesus just didn't heal everybody. Hey, you boo, boo, boo. He's not having a little laser there and just touching everybody walking around. You watch him in the scripture. Jesus was looking for people who would come to him with faith and crying out. It doesn't have to be loud and boisterous. Boisterous, it may just be a, a gentle, subtle spirit. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm expectant. I know you can. I'm an expectant but with no agenda, no personal agenda. Jesus stopped. Stopped. And he said, call him. Do you think he saw him in that moment? I don't necessarily know that he saw him. He heard him. Jesus called him. So they called to the blind man. (laughs) Can you picture the crowd doing this? Okay, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside. Why did he throw his cloak aside? He knew he didn't need it. That old way of living, putting your cloak down, waiting for the change to drop on it as people pass by, let it go. He jumped to his feet and he came to where Jesus was at. And then look what Jesus says. I love this. This is that's why I decided to do story today, okay? Because we can do a lot of theology, and I'd like to unpack that for us, but let me just do this little story. Because in this little story is simplicity. Verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Will you say that with me? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Oh, here's Jesus. He's coming in the door. Good, you take the place. Even my nice new little table somebody got me this week, and that's sort of cool. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, you sit in the chair, and you tell these people that just worshipped you and cried out to you, singing, holy, hallelujah is the revelation song and the broken song. And Jesus he would look you in the eye. Yeah, you in the front row, you in the back row, individually. And he would just simply say, what do you want me to do for you? 
Well, wait a second, Carrie. You just said expectation with no agenda. I have. I, is this, Jesus created you. He loves you more intimately than you love your own kids. And I don't care how great of a mom and dad you are right now. Jesus loves you more than you love your own kids. And Jesus looks at you and he says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Now, he already cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he came in this humility, uh, humble kind of spirit. He, he came acknowledging that he needed a savior, that he, that he needed to have sins forgiven and mercy and grace thrown upon him. And so he cried out, Jesus had heard that, so he knew the disposition of the person's heart when they came to stand there before him. And so then he turns and he says, what do you want me to do? And Bartimaeus was just as simple as the word Jesus gave to him. He says, I want to see Mr. Rabbi. Now, Jesus healed different kinds of ways. That's always a sort of an interesting study. Why does he heal people different ways? Jesus did not pull out his mud right here. Okay? He just simply said, go. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You think Bartimaeus took in the whole Passion Week? I bet he did. He got up. He followed this Jesus who had healed him and gave him sight. Now, it's at this particular point that I would love to spend a lot of time on some of the other questions that I threw up there earlier and where we could go with them. But I want you to know this. Jesus Christ is our healer. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This story helps give a basis of theological and scriptural reason why you and I can come and ask Jesus to touch us today. Matthew 8:14. Jesus came to Peter's house. He saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed in a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word. And he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and carried our diseases. Where does that scripture come from? Again, we are in Matthew here. We are in New Testament times. Jesus in the New Testament interprets a verse that comes out of Isaiah. If you were to go to Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 is, is a, a great messianic passage. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one who, whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. If you study Ephesians, uh, Isaiah 53, you go like, that's predicting Jesus, the Messiah. But then it says this in Isaiah 53:3, Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. New Testament passage interpreting an Old Testament passage that gives you and I the basis for why we can have belief for Jesus to touch us today. Healing, physical healing for infirmities and sickness is rooted in the cross. Your salvation, your forgiveness of your sins is rooted in the cross and what Jesus did. By his stripes we are healed, it would later say. Hmm. You doubt? Does Jesus do that today? My skeptical bent? My I want to stay away from weird Christian stuff? Friends, don't go there. You just go simply to the cross, and surely if you're a believer today, you receive Christ for your salvation. You just simply open up and receive Christ for your healing. It's not about you. It's about him. And so the power for healing comes from Jesus Christ. In Luke 4.18, 
The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He puts the scroll down and he says, Today this is fulfilled in your midst. I am he. Jesus Christ. Our healer. The same yesterday. Today. And forever. And then he sends down his twelve, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's telling them this particular instruction to go to the Jewish people. And he's told them to do two things. And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of God, my reign, my rule, heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. They demonstrated the ministry at the same time they were proclaiming the message. They go hand in hand, and it needs to go hand in hand in our ministry efforts today. One without the other is severing the gospel. One without the other is severing the full work of the atonement that happened on the cross. Then he appointed 72 others, it says in Luke 10, and sent them out ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. And then he said this, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal and proclaim. The healing gave evidence to the deity, the divinity of Jesus. And it brought people to him. The Lord just preserved our lives. We're in a van and it was traveling about 100 kilometers an hour. Back tire blew out. They had a lot of weight on the back end. It started fish tailing. Driver couldn't control it. I believe we rolled one time. Uh, a little bit sore on a rib on the back side, but we're very thankful to be alive. After Chris had medical clearance and we returned back to Cambodia, we kind of hit the ground running. I was traveling up to far northeastern Cambodia, and I got in a van. It was a Cambodian passenger van, no air con, no, no seat belts, traveling about 60 miles an hour, about an hour into the trip, and one of the back tires blew. And as the van began to roll, I just, a real quick prayer, Jesus save us. My face went right up against the window, but the glass that my face was squished up against was the only glass window that did not break. I remember there was a lady who had ridden in the van, and she said to me in Cambodian, oh, we were very lucky. And I just said to her, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I prayed that he would protect us, and he did. Because usually in those kinds of accidents, there's fatalities, and we didn't have a single fatality. They did do an x-ray. First, they thought it was a couple of broken ribs, as we further explored it with a CT scan, it was actually six broken ribs, a broken collarbone, and something called a pneumothorax, which is a, a hole in the lung. They said this really cannot be treated well in Cambodia. They ended up saying, you need to go to Thailand, where you can get very good medical treatment. We couldn't fly there because of the pneumothorax, this air in the lung. And I said, well, let's try to go overland, which is about a 12-hour trip. About one hour into the journey, I began to just feel air seeping from the lung. I mean, you could literally feel it, just air bubbling up. And actually on the right side of my chest, the skin began to kind of blow up like a balloon. What a pneumothorax can do is that it can suck air in from your lung when you breathe in, but then it gets trapped there and it doesn't go out and eventually it can even push your lung out of your chest. You die. We called our doctor. He said, you need to immediately return back to Phnom Penh. Chris and Jenna were in the back seat praying. We put our hands right on him because you could by now see the expansion happening in his chest. And, and I remember thinking, uh, Lord, please don't make Chris and Jenna watch me die. I thought I was just praying him into the kingdom. And but I, I asked God to heal him and not take him yet. The Lord instantly touched us along the road. I could feel the air bubbles stop. The chest swelling began to shrink down. And you said it looked kind of like a balloon that had been deflated on my and chest. So it was wrinkled where it had swollen and now it looked completely normal. 
just a couple hours ahead of us in the road, there had been a major traffic accident. Actually, that road was closed down for more than 12 hours. We actually would have been stuck in traffic. So God, in a sense, even saved us through this air leaking out by bringing us back through Phnom Penh and then eventually airlifted to Bangkok. The company that does the air evacuation said, okay, he's had a pneumothorax, so we have to put in a chest tube so he can fly. And then they uh, took another x-ray with the doctor who was going to put in the chest tube, and he said, there's no more pneumothorax. It was completely gone. And it, just the day before, we had the CT scan clearly showed it. And actually, the people that were going to fly us out, they didn't believe it. They said, no, he had a pneumothorax. They don't go away. He <laughs> said that doesn't quite go away like that. And so he said, you still have to put in a chest tube. So we said, okay, put in the chest tube, because that's what I'm going to need to be able to get treated in Thailand. We got to Thailand that night, uh, gave me some x-rays, and basically said, yeah, the pneumothorax is no longer there. There were six ribs that were broken in the back and really needed to be put back in place with some metal strips. The doctor told us on Friday that he could do the surgery on Friday night, but on Saturday he was leaving to go on vacation. The hospital came up to Chris and said, okay, the surgery is going to cost about the equivalent of 10,000 U.S. dollars, and we need the money by 3 o'clock. This is 1.30 in the afternoon. We need the money by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And we don't have a bank account with $10,000 sitting in it or anything. And, and we know like four people in Bangkok, we tried to call them and nobody was around. And they said, well, we'll delay it only till 4 o'clock when our office closes. The fish in the coin is the story where Jesus said, go out and catch a fish. So Peter went out, caught a fish. It had a coin in his mouth and they paid the tax. That's what I was asking for. And after I did that, I was flooded with peace. And I looked at the financier and I said, the money's coming. A missionary colleague who used to work with us in Cambodia, but now he is based in Thailand. I thought, oh, maybe I should try and contact him. So I Skyped him almost immediately and said, yeah, our church can help out. Their bank closed at 3.30. They got out the $10,000 at 3.20, just before the bank closed. Came all the way, hand-delivered it to us at the hospital. Chris and, the, and him went at 3.58 to the finance office to pay our bill with two minutes to spare. So here in the city of 10 million people, basically not knowing anybody, needing $10,000 from strangers in about two hours, God provided in a miraculous way. I mean, really, it was amazing how God provided this fish with the coin in it. The Lord, I guess, has other work for us to continue to do here. I'm so thankful for that, his provision in the midst of this accident. In James chapter 5, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church, the spiritual people of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he commits sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. What do you want? Rabbi, I want to see. Go. Your faith has made you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to sing a song of declaration and worship. It's actually the last song that we sing. And during this time of song, I want you to consider if this morning would be an opportune time for you to be prayed over for a healing touch. We have some people that can pray and Scripture says that you're to anoint them with oil. The oil is just merely symbolic. It's symbolic of divine healing. For we believe not in faith healing, but in divine healing. For the power that heals you is divine. It's through the channel of faith. He wants to see you cry out, but expectation with no agenda. It's a pure, simple faith. Jesus, I want to see. Jesus, I want to be healed from this. Jesus, I want to overcome this aspect of my life. I need you to touch me. 
Are there instructions to carry out from there? Are there medical issues that need to play out from there? Sure, it may very well be, but I tell you what, why are we discarding? Or at least, maybe not discarding, we just look away or look to other things first rather than to Jesus who heals. And so as we sing this song, and this is actually going to be our closing for the day, this is a ministry time. I encourage you to stay and sing through this song. You can stay seated. You can stand. I care not. You can linger for a long time after this song. You can decide, I'm good. Maybe you need to go away and seek God privately. Maybe God just blesses you to carry on with your day, to be in company with others and rejoice for all he's done and is doing. But this will be our closing. But I want you to know that in this closing that we've kept the front row reserved for people to come and to be seated. And there's more than the front row. You can sit over there. You can come sit on the stage. I don't care. And we are going to take whatever time is necessary to come. And different people are going to be able to pray over you. And I, I'm, like, I met this week with people to pray. And how do we pray? And how do we offer a prayer in faith, right, to make the sick person well? I want this to be a regular part of who we are as a people. Why is it when you open up the program of a church, you get all kinds of things going on, good things. But why don't you open up the program of a church and it says, Time for healing offered in Jesus' name. When I came here two and a half years ago, I had this phrase, let's rock the valley. And we've had an up and down journey for two years. But I tell you what, God's been teaching me something through this. And one of the things he's teaching me is it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him. And we better go forward to rock the valley, not in our own programs and strength or even facilities, we need to walk forward in full faith and give opportunity for Jesus to touch people. People were attracted to Jesus. One of the reasons he touched and healed was why? It attracted people. Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with it. As long as they're being attracted, not for the healing, but they're attracted for Jesus ultimately. But I want this to be a regular part of our church. And I don't know how it's going to play its way out. But I'm making a declaration here today that there's going to be times on Sunday morning. And there's going to be times after service on a Sunday morning. There's going to be times through the week. There's going to be prayer teams that go to homes. We are going to pray for sick people. Are you with me? When he sent out the 12 and he sent out the 72, he said not just to proclaim the kingdom. And I do a lot of proclaiming. done it for many years. He told them to demonstrate his power. And somewhere, I believe, in the world in which we live, with all the politics and the angst and and even natural disasters that bring fear into people's life and uncertainty, people need to come to Christ. And the church needs to be actively participating in doing the ministry that Jesus gave Jehovah Rapha, same yesterday, today, and forever. get ready to sing this song. I want to do a physical analogy in front of you because this is what we're going to be doing. Whether we do it here this morning or you do it this week when you take the initiative to pray for somebody, maybe unexpectedly. Hey, can I pray for you? What? Uh, Sure. Just pray. You don't need physical oil. Anointing is symbolic of divine healing. Rich Taylor, would you come up here? This is Rich. He was in my Rudy group last fall. I like Rich a lot. But I always have to speak loud around Rich. He was a fireman before they had the really good headphones. And he lost some of his hearing, right? We can pray for Rich and his physical healing today. Are, are you with me? Some of you just went through that skepticism. No, what are you, what are you doing? See, I know the world we live in. I know myself. But Rich, I'm going to have you right here. Robert, you come up here. <laughs> I'm going to bless you today, friend. You're going to be Jesus right now. Now, Jesus walked in, and Robert, Jesus, 
came up to Rich, laid his hand on Rich, we would all say what? If he's Jesus. <laughs> this, is good. this could work. This could work. But Jesus isn't here in physical form. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I go away, I'll send my spirit to be with you. And so, Rich, I'm going to ask your wife, Debbie, would you come up? Debbie is going to represent the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus himself. And so I'm going to put Debbie right in here. Jesus, Holy Spirit present. Debbie's going to, the Holy Spirit is laying a hand on Rich. Does this work? You bet this works. You bet this works. Mike, you come up. We all know Mike's a strong prayer warrior around here, but it's not that you have to have a history of prayer. You just have to have a simple faith, right, Mike? Believe. I want you to come, and I want you to step right in here. So I have the sick person that needs to be made well. I have Jesus, because it's him that's going to heal him. Through his Holy Spirit, He's present, and His Holy Spirit dwells within us as believers. We all have this privilege. He sent out the 72. They didn't have to go through seminary class or anything. He just anointed them. He says, heal the sick, pray over them, tell them the kingdom is God. And He says, we're good to go. And they started to go. So the Holy Spirit through Mike, as Mike lays hands on Rich. This visual is how we pray for healing. Call the elders, spiritual leaders, those who have Christ dwelling within them. Let them pray over them, anointing them with oil. In the name of Jesus, anointing with oil is just taking a little oil, whether it's tapping on the head or on the wrist. It's symbolic, right? And the prayer offered in faith can make the sick person well. And so we're going to start doing this more as a church, not just here this morning. You with me? Thanks, friends. You can be seated. I want us to worship as we worship. Finish this song out in declaration. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. If you want Jesus to touch you today, come and sit in this front area. And when a prayer individual or a prayer team comes around you, they're just going to simply ask you your name, your first name, and then they're just going to simply say, what do you want Jesus to do for you today? And we're just going to pray. Wow. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Why have we made it so hard? Why have we made it so otherly? I'll tell you why. Satan does not want the power of Jesus to physically be changing and transforming people's minds and bodies. Yes, we will all die someday and we'll get the new glorified body, but there is redemption for the soul and there is redemption for the body in the cross of Jesus for those who are broken. Are you broken? Are your friends broken? Your co-workers broken? Let's minister Jesus. Let's worship. And then you're free to go. Unless you want to be prayed for.